Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show today. I'm so glad that you are hanging out with me right now. And most of us know that service is powerful. It can change our lives. And research shows that teens and young adults that serve and find meaningful ways to help others have greater life satisfaction, more happiness, and less depression than those of their peers who aren't finding ways to serve and help others. On today's show, I have Natalie Silverstein. She's an author, consultant, nonprofit founder, and passionate advocate for family and youth service. Her latest book is called Simple Acts, The Busy Teen's Guide to Making a Difference. I love this book. It is a great book to buy before the holidays. She has written this book to help adolescents and teens discover their passion and purpose through acts of kindness and service to others. And you're going to hear her share. I really love how she talks about keeping it simple, that we don't need to change the world to make a big impact, and that every little way that we can show acts of kindness creates a ripple effect, one simple act at a time. And this is such a great interview because Natalie shares with us how we can actually encourage our kids and our families to make a difference and want to give back. So let's dive in. Welcome, Natalie, to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I'm so happy to have you come on the show. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's such a pleasure to be with you. I love that you cover tweens and teens. It's my sweet spot. That's fantastic. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Yes, I mean, tweens and teens, it starts in the tween years. That's why we're tweens and teens, because... All these things start changing when they hit, you know, depending upon how mature they are. (laughs) Girls can hit between at nine. I mean, it's, yeah, everything starts changing. I don't know if you've heard this uh, phrase recently that's been developed in psychological circles that they're saying now that 19 to 24 is actually emerging adulthood. So when you and I were growing up, it was just teenagers, right? But now we have tweens teens and emerging adults. So keep an eye out for that. 
Yeah, emerging adults. Exactly. I don't know about you, but I was an adult when I was 21, but apparently you're not an adult anymore when you're 21. So Yeah, that could be a whole nother podcast. Right, exactly. Let's just keep pushing it out. How about 52? How about 52? We just don't want them to be living, being an emerging adult, still living in the basement, right? Exactly. We want to try to get them out of the nest. Exactly. So I'm excited to share your book with the moms and caregivers that are listening. You just released your latest book called Simple Acts, A Busy Teen's Guide to Making a Difference. Yes. I love this book. Thank you. Yeah, it's, gosh, it's got so many great ideas. Moms, you're just going to love to hear all the amazing ideas that Natalie has to share with us. But you wrote this during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I want you to tell a little backstory about how you got into like philanthropy and helping teenagers and families to give and uh, yeah, and just give back and make a difference in the world, and also a little of your history and about writing the book. Sure, absolutely. So my career was in healthcare. Um, I worked, I have a master's in public health. I worked for hospitals and managed care companies. um, And I loved that work. But after my third child was born, I have three kids. They are 21, 19, and 14, almost 15. So I have two emerging adults and a teenager. Um, You know, after the third one was born, I ended up staying home with her, with all three of them. And um, the work really grew out of my own personal experience as a parent. We live in New York City, um, which is a city of just tremendous wealth and tremendous need, you know, very, very, you know, (laughs) wide variety of people, lots and lots of social service organizations. And I was a little frustrated as a parent of young children that there weren't a lot of organizations that would accept us as volunteers. And I think, you know, all of your listeners will have had that experience, right? You want to go on Thanksgiving morning to a food pantry or a soup kitchen, and you're told that your children need to be 12 years old, 15 years old, 18 years old. So it is hard to find family-friendly volunteer opportunities even here in New York. So I ended up partnering up with something called Doing Good Together. That's an organization in Minneapolis that is just a wonderful resource. Their mission is to help parents raise kids who care and contribute. It's just this beautiful, elegant mission statement. I reached out to the founder and she was delighted. She's like, oh my gosh, I've been looking for people like you across the country country who can sort of pick up my mission and incorporate it in your community. So I curate a listing of family-friendly volunteer opportunities here in New York City, and I've been doing that for almost a decade. And that work, really, as a volunteer, um, I became the Rolodex, not to, you know, age myself, but I became the resource for our community of places to donate, places to volunteer, you know, things to do with kids, events. Um, And I really started to curate all of the family-friendly volunteer opportunities. And I realized pretty quickly that everyone wanted this information. They just didn't even know where to begin. And if we're being honest, they didn't want to take the time to figure it out. So um, as I start sharing my my resources, as I start speaking to groups, you know, synagogues, churches, Girl Scout troops, brownie troops, you name it, bar and bat mitzvah kids, um, it occurs to me like there's a book here and I'm a writer. I've always enjoyed writing and um, various forms of communications. So I'm like, hmm, I, could, I think I could write something that would be useful. 
you know, a prescriptive resource guide that's really actionable with lists and, and, you know, just ways for people to, you know, break it down and make it super simple and incorporate it into really busy lives, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what this is about. This should not be another chore on your list of things to do. So my first book came out in 2019. I found a publisher that was excited about it. It was called Simple Acts, The Busy Family's Guide to Giving Back. And that just took off. You know, I was on the Today Show and I got to be on podcasts with wonderful people like you and just really spreading this message. And again, it's not rocket science. Like I didn't invent the wheel here, but sort of talking about ways to incorporate service into birthday parties and other family milestones and holiday traditions. And it's super simple. It's just being mindful and being intentional about it um, and really just keeping it at the, at the top of your mind as you move through your day. And it's the way that you role model your values for your children. It's living your values. And so immediately, the day that that book came out, I had people come over to me and say, oh, this is wonderful, but why don't you write one for teenagers? Because I have teenagers at home and they're the worst. And I'm like, <laughs> I get it. You know, I have teenagers and I, you know, have teenagers at home. And, and it was the spring of 2019. I'm like, let me enjoy this moment, this book that I published um, for a minute. And I for sure will write a teen book. I had to switch publishers because of, you know, the nature of the publishing industry. And I signed a contract in the winter of 2019 into 2020. And um, so I signed a contract that asked me to write the book from March 1st of 2020 until June 1st of 2020. So we all know how that story ends. Um, it was, you know, a fraught time in New York City as it was everywhere. And I sort of, if I'm being honest, if you read the sort of prologue, the introdu introduction to the book, um, I kind of lost heart a little bit. I wasn't sure if everyone cared. I didn't know if this work mattered. It felt like a very soft subject. Um, I think you can agree that in March, in those very dark early days, I was like, I don't even know if this is important um, to do. And then it occurred to me over weeks and months of being isolated with my family and figuring out what we could do to connect to other human beings, to help others. Um, I, I started looking for the helpers, as Mr. Rogers always says, and I became re-inspired and I realized that this work, this perspective, this stuff that I talk about and I love talking about with people like you, um, this is more important than ever, more important than ever. So um, figuring out a way to connect to other people, figuring out a way to um, improve uh, the society that we live in, to help uh, to make our world better and stronger, to be hopeful and optimistic, this work is more important than ever. So I finished the book. You know, fast forward, it takes a couple of years nowadays, <laughs> supply chain, and uh, this second book for teens came out in July. And this one is really written, as you, you will note, you know, written for teens, to teens, and I tried really hard not to be preachy or a naggy. I think we can all agree on this podcast that the last thing tweens and teens need is another adult telling them what to do <laughs> and that they should care about other people. I wanted it to just lay out the facts of what service can do for you as a person and what you can gain from doing for others because the giver gets as much as the receiver, sometimes more, um, and make it easy. 
make it super, super easy for teens and tweens to, to embrace this work, but also to tap into their passions and the things that they're good at and their gifts and their strengths and how they can share those with the world and why they should, why they should care. And it came out in July and here I am. And I'm, I'm just super excited to talk about it. Oh, I, I was so inspired reading it. And I was telling you, you sent me like the PDF version Mm -hmm. and I ordered a copy because I thought I have to get this because it was so inspiring. And what I was struck by in the forward is how you talk, you talked about how we, and we still are bombarded with the Mm -hmm. negative news Yeah, and all the things that are going wrong. And Mm -hmm. it's easy to get sucked into that and feel despair. Yep. And you and I, I love the, you know, the vision of we can make a difference. Absolutely. And getting outside of ourselves, we can sit, we can complain and focus on the negative or we can go out there and and make a difference. Right. And and that you also say how we are more alike. Right. And we are different. Of course. Of course. And I'm like, yes. And how to bring unity, like getting all the benefits of just getting to know different people and stepping out and being able to serve people and see that our our humanity that connects us all. Absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, I, I absolutely agree with what you've said. If we all sit back and say, well, everything is terrible, there's nothing I can possibly do, well, then for sure we're not going to be able to do anything, right? It's breaking it down into smaller pieces. There is something every single person can do. Every small action has an impact. Even the tiniest stone thrown into water makes a ripple, right? I mean, this is sort of obvious, but when you're feeling overwhelmed by the problems in the world, and I and this is my worry about the mental health of our tweens and teens right now, it mm-hmm. feels very heavy. It feels very hopeless and it feels very overwhelming. And I think that getting out of your own head, this is scientifically proven, that if you stop thinking about yourself and gazing at your own navel and you start to look at your neighbor and how you might help someone else and make a connection with another human being, you will absolutely, I promise you, feel better about yourself and your problems and and you will feel more hopeful and more optimistic. Absolutely. And we saw that throughout the pandemic. And I, you know, this is what I try to to tell teens. Stop sitting and looking at your device and just scrolling, scrolling, doom scrolling, as they say. If you look outside of yourself, keep eyes, ears, hearts, and minds open to the needs of others. It will make you a kinder, gentler, happier person. Your physical, mental, and emotional health will improve. I promise you. I guarantee it. And so I just feel like that's what the the mission of the book is, is to help everybody see, you know, as Arthur Ashe said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. No one is expecting you to solve it, right? There's that expression from the Talmud, you know, no one expects you to finish the work, but you still have to begin. You have to be engaged in it. And, and that's just what I, I, what I hope that teens take from this, that they're inspired by it to, to get out there and do something, anything, anything. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, as a mom myself and for the listeners, we get bogged down. We're like, Oh my gosh, my kid doesn't want to do anything. They only want to be on their phone. They're not motivated. I try to get them to do something and help out, but they don't want to do it. And, or 
I'll just have them do it because it looks good on the college. Yeah. You know, we have that too, which isn't a bad thing. No, I'm trying. Right. I'm not going to be cynical about that. Like I know I'm being honest. If, you know, I know that people might be purchasing my book because they're thinking, oh, you know, my kid really hasn't engaged in a lot of service, especially over the pandemic for obvious reasons. And this is important. This is something that you want to show scholarship applications, college applications, job interviews. But I would like to flip the narrative on that. I think that this work provides kids, teens and tweens, an opportunity to, again, have their minds expanded, to to see the world through the eyes and the experience of others. And it gives them stories to tell. It connects them to to the lived experience of other people. And so if you're being asked to write an essay about who you are fundamentally, so you're sharing with a college or with a job or with a grant, you know, whatever it is, who you are. Telling a story about something that you've learned, a value that you've gained through service is meaningful. Not just, I volunteered, you know, for three weeks at the food pantry. No, that's not, you're not saying it that way. You're talking about the experience of doing that, what you learned, what you gained, and more importantly, the human interaction, the connections that you made to other people, and this perhaps the stories that you've, that you've, that you've listen to and, and incorporate it into your understanding of the world. So yeah, I, I totally, I like to say, um, don't count the hours, make the hours count, right? Because all of our kids, you know, many, many schools make teenagers do service to check a box so they can graduate. Let's, okay, that might be a requirement and that's okay. Let's flip the narrative on that. And I, and I address that straight on in the book for kids. And I say, instead of complaining about that, Let's look at it as an opportunity to figure out what you're passionate about, what your gifts, talents, and skills are, what you're good at, the issues that you care about out in the community, and then how can we marry those two things and find organizations that would benefit from your help? And I guarantee you, as a parent, you said, you know, everyone's like feeling like this is just a burden, another thing on their plate. If you find something that lights your kid up, when they walk out of there, they are lit up with excitement about how much fun they had or how, how meaningful it was or the impact they felt like they made or the connections they made, they will want to go back. And it's even better if they do it with other kids, you know, social, the social interaction of doing it with other people and bringing friends along as well. So that's really the goal here. That's the whole key of, you know, of the assessment at the front of the book. You know, what are you good at? What are your talents? What are the issues you care about? What are you angry about? What are you worried about? Now, how can we combine those two things? And then how can you go out into the world and help fix it? Yeah, I love that part in the book, Um, moms. There's a self-assessment. And I think that that is very powerful because this is helping our kids to learn about themselves in the Mm -hmm. process. Yes. Like, what do what do I love to do? What am I passionate about? How am I wired? I mean, there was a part in there where you talked about, am I shy? Right. You know, like, do uh, how do I take in criticism or feedback? I mean, yeah. it's, and helping them to become more self-aware of themselves and then what they love to do, because I do find that as parents, it's easy to focus on the things our kids aren't doing or the the things they are doing that are irritating or the, you know, their, their math grade and getting the math grade up. Right. Versus like what lights you up? Like you said, 
and helping them to get in touch with that, to get outside of themselves mm-hmm. and be able to feel that power of, you know, that positive, you know, power they have inside of themselves that I can, I can help to influence change. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, again, if you, the, the surest way to ensure that a kid is going to want to continue to do this work is to find work that they enjoy and that they connect to and that resonates for them and that taps into their interests and their passions and something that they enjoy doing and something they're interested in. As you you know this about having them do their schoolwork, right? <laughs> it's much more, they're, if they're a great reader and they don't like math, it, they're going to want to read for English class. They're not going to want to do their math. So it's the same perspective on, on if your kid is into sports, I promise you there is a way that that child can go out into the community and use their love of sports, their passion for whatever game it is that they like to play and share it with others in a meaningful way. And that's why, you know, I have, it's a little side thing that I do where people call me or email me and they say, I have a child. I just got a call the other day from my dad who has a sixth grader who plays squash, loves squash. Okay, the game of squash. I don't know anything about this game. How can he give back to the community with the game of squash? Okay, let me think. Well, I bet I bet the equipment is very expensive. What if he started a drive at his where he plays to to gather the equipment so that when people want to donate that if it's gently used, then maybe he sets up a, a something a program in a local school after school to teach kids how to play squash. Maybe he can ask where he plays if they'll donate some time in the courts there or whatever. He could do a fundraiser playing squash. Like there are ways so he can take yeah. his passion for squash and he can substantively give back in his community, probably to other kids like himself, right? The easiest way to get a kid to want to go out and volunteer with other little kids is, and they love to play basketball is tell them they can teach kids how to play basketball, right? I mean, dance, music, you know, if someone's a great reader, if someone, it doesn't, if they love to draw, if they're a knitter, if they're a baker, every single thing that kids love to do in their free time All of those things can be translated into a way to give back in the community. And those are the types of ideas that I list out in the books. Just, and again, I didn't, I didn't invent this, you know, you're, you're, you're cooking, you're baking cookies already. Maybe you bake some extra and you wrap them up and you take them to the local senior center or the fire department or the police station, like with a, with a note or something like this is just sort of thinking about ways to organically, seamlessly, and mindfully incorporate this work into your daily lives. And I think when you set it up that way for kids and teens, it doesn't feel as daunting. It doesn't feel like, oh, I got to get my paper. Here, sign my paper. You know, they always have the paper from school. I need the hours. Sign my paper. We need to get rid of that narrative. This needs to be like what brings them joy, what lights them up, and then help them help them find a way to, to, to do that. And I promise you, they'll have more than the 50 hours or whatever number of hours they, they need to graduate. Yeah. How, what do you think? I'm sitting here thinking like, I know for my kids, I would feel we did different things like, you know, the Christmas child, you know, Mm -hmm. that our church actually did where you bought. I mean, that was a highlight. We would go and we'd buy toothbrushes and toothpaste and um, I can't remember Christmas project, Christmas child, something like that. And and, um, we went, we did different things, but I remember feeling overwhelmed by it and like, oh, It's just one more thing I have to do. But I was struck by, even in the book during the pandemic, you thought of like, okay, let's order a pizza 
For who did you order for? I can't so remember. We have a good friend who's um, a chief of an emergency room. So that's a really tough job that she was doing during a very difficult time here in New York City. Um, and so I heard about that there was a, a train, a, a food train, you know, that that gets got set up such that because people were working crazy hours, right? I mean, there wasn't, it wasn't a normal shift situation. So the food, you know, so we would literally just sign up to send pizzas to the emergency room where our friend was the chief of, of medicine. But, you know, but again, like these are like such little things. My daughter is a knitter. She would be like knitting scarves and hats and we were giving them to a senior center or whatever. My other daughter made fleece blankets because we have all this leftover fleece for some reason where you cut, you know, you've seen this, it's like a square and you cut, um, little strips and then you, and you knot them and we delivered them to the ASPCA, to the, to the shelter. Of course, at that point, there were no dogs in the shelter because everybody went to take the dogs home. But, you know, these were just things to keep hands busy and to keep us from dying of boredom, right? There's only so many movies you can watch and, and breads you can bake. Um, but we would just find these little things that we could do in the community um, to just show our love and support and, and gratitude uh, for the first responders, for the folks who are delivering the food. I mean, you know, if, if you couldn't find a way uh, to, to give back in the pandemic, even remotely, even from the, you know, sadly from our homes, even just connecting with people via Zoom or writing letters to isolated elders. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that you could do, but you had to, you had to wake up in the morning and say, okay, what is my purpose today? right? This is what we're all looking for. I got to get out of bed and put one foot in front of the other. And things are looking pretty bleak in March, April, May, June of 2020. What can we do to make ourselves feel a little bit better? And in those instances, it was, you know, baking or sending the pizzas or doing knitting or doing whatever the thing was. Um, it just got us, it just got us through, you know? And so I agree with you, you know, back to your original point, sometimes it's overwhelming, particularly at the holidays. I mean, if you're talking about Christmas child or the cookie swap or the whatever, whatever. I, I think if you try and pull this back to, to its basics, you know, what is the holiday season about? You know, de-stress that, try and engage your kids in a conversation around, you know, what, what is this, you know, we, what are we, not just what are we going to get, but what are we going to give? And how can we make the holidays brighter for other people? And don't, you know, just don't stress yourself out. Like, I've got to check the box of the charitable giving, you know, um, but a way to sort of seamlessly incorporate this into the shopping that you're already doing, the baking that you're already doing, you know, what, whatever it is, um, and really give your kids the opportunity to see you thinking about this and to engage them in it. This is super important, right? All of this work, going out and working in the community, you know, doing this work at home, give your kids agency, let them have input into what it is that you're doing, who it's benefiting. And, you know, if you go out and do something in the community, let's say on Thanksgiving, talk about it afterwards, right? Have a conversation. What did you love about that? What made you feel uncomfortable? Did you enjoy that kind of work? Could we, do you want to go back there to the food pantry in the new year? Or should we continue to work there? Is there something else that you'd like to do? You know, what are the issues? What are the social justice issues that you care about? Is hunger not one of the things that you're really super passionate about? You'd rather think about something else? Like give them the opportunity to have some input and it's just going to feel like less of a chore and more of a joy. I think. Yeah. Asking them the question. I love that. Like, okay, what could we do 
if we're baking these cookies, you know, baking these, who might we give some extra cookies to? Right. It's not, and it's not a a yes or no. It's not like, should we do this? No, we're doing this, (laughs) but we're going to, you know, I get this question all the time from parents of teens, especially tweens and teens. Like, how do you get your kid to want to do this? Or how do you get your kid? Yes, well, first, yes. first of all, like we make our, we make our kids do lots of things like get up in the morning, brush their teeth, do their homework, go to school, like do their chores. Like this is um, a part of what we are teaching them. This is how we live. This is how our family engages with the world. So we are going to do some I service. Oh, We're going to do some service this weekend. <laughs> We're doing some service this weekend, or we have this opportunity to do some service. What would you like to do this or that? It's just like when they were little, you know, these are the two outfits. Do you want this one or that one? It's not like letting them go in the closet and pick anything they want, right? It's this, we're doing it, but let me hear what you think. Like, what are you, what's your input? What, what, what interests you about this? Um, what we're going to engage in this, this weekend, and then talk about it afterwards and really give them, you know, allow them to give some feedback. If something makes a kid very uncomfortable, you know, maybe interacting with the elderly is not their thing, right? That takes a certain kind of um, temperament. Okay. That's fine. You know, we don't have to do that, but let's think about something else that we can do. This isn't a choice of doing it or not doing it. We're doing it, right? We make we make lots of time. Let's all be very honest here as parents of tweens and teens. We prioritize and make lots of time for lots of things, lots of soccer, lots of hockey, lots of dance, lots of tutoring. Um, we can prioritize this. And by doing so, we are living our values and showing our kids what's what's really important to our family. Oh gosh, that's so good. I'm thinking, yeah, this is just, this is not just, but this is a value. This is a part of our lives that we give back. That's right. This is just who we are as a family. This is how we are as a family. At the end of the day, how do you want your family to be remembered? How do you want your children to remember the the things that you all did as a family. I promise you they're not going to remember the Lego set that they got for Christmas. Promise you. <laughs> or the or yeah. the Barbie doll or the or really even the trip to Disney that was like uh, you know you saved and saved and and planned and made yourself crazy. They're not going to remember that. They're going to remember going to the to the soup kitchen every Thanksgiving morning and serving a Thanksgiving meal to others who are less fortunate and then going home and enjoying Thanksgiving together um, and being grateful for that and having empathy for people who don't have a place to have Thanksgiving and that you provided that for them. And if you do that every year, that's creating a habit of service, right? These traditions around holidays, around birthdays, you do this consistently year after year, that becomes their experience. Those are the memories they're going to have into adulthood. And when they raise their own families, because that's, that's the end game right? They're not going to remember that soccer tournament. Oh yeah. Well, and stuff just wears out and then we want the next, the next thing. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet giving back that never, that is so life giving. Right. Talk about the research. Mm -hmm. What is the research showing the difference that it's making in teens lives? Because you just started a podcast. Yep. Interviewing with teens on your show. Yep. 
just teenagers, very short, short and sweet. Um, these are teen change makers, I call them. They are fundraisers, nonprofit founders, volunteers, um, social activists, social entrepreneurs, and they get all lit up. I just want to hear them tell their story. What was inspired? What inspired them to start this activity? Whatever it is, what you know, what have they done? How many people have they helped? What are their plans for the future? What challenges did they face? What did they learn? And kids just get lit up telling me these stories, and it's incredible. It's 15 minutes or 18 minutes, and I I leave those conversations so inspired, and so I, I hope others will listen and and be inspired as well. But the research is is super clear on this, and there's there are longitudinal studies. There was one out of Harvard called Making Caring Common. That was like a 20-year, 25-year longitudinal study. Um, It is undisputed, (laughs) scientifically proven that volunteering, doing for others, makes you feel better. You are less depressed, less lonely, more connected. Volunteers live longer. There is a, a direct correlation to longevity. Okay, teens who volunteer are less likely to engage in risky behaviors, and those can be um, defined as um, early sexual behavior, drug and alcohol use, um, less likely to drop out of school. Teens who volunteer, and again, this is, um, I have a public health background, so, and this does not, you know, you might say, oh, well, it's skewed because it's only well-off kids that do this. Nope, even if you take that out of the picture, socioeconomic status out of the picture, even amongst teens who are at risk, considered at risk themselves, volunteering has all of these benefits less likely to engage in risky behaviors, more likely to stay in school, more likely to do better academically. I'm sorry, but right off the bat, I'm pretty sure those are things that your audience cares about pretty deeply, okay? So right there, you don't need to hear any more. <laughs> Volunteering absolutely makes you feel better and makes you do better in the world. Teens who volunteer with their families, children and teens who volunteer with their family unit are much more likely to do so as adults with their own families. Teens who volunteer with friends, there's sort of this positive um, peer pressure, if you will. They are more likely to volunteer, to continue to want to volunteer because it's a social activity now. This is all the stuff that we've been talking about, right? Um, there, you know, by every measure, volunteering is good for your mental, physical, and emotional health. I don't know why we wouldn't give this to our kids. Yeah, it gives their lives purpose and meaning. Absolutely. And a we thousand all, percent. Yeah, we all want we all long to matter and bring value mm-hmm. and make an impact. Versus so much of the world now is it's external, you know, all the social media, it's like, you know, doesn't fill you up. Right, right. And there's this, there's this feeling of a helper's high, you know, that that has been scientifically proven. It's sort of an endorphin rush that comes to the brain. It is this physiologically good feeling that washes over you. Everyone can relate to this. You do something nice for another person, you help someone and they express gratitude towards you or they smile at you. And even if they don't, If you know that you substantively helped someone else, you changed the course of their day, you get a jolt of a good feeling, an endorphin rush. It's just like a a runner's high, as they say. Why would you not want that? (laughs) That feels like a a really healthy drug to me. That's That's a drug that you want your teens to have. And the more you do it, this is why the longevity piece comes in, right? People who consistently volunteer for years and years and years, they live longer. They feel better. They're less lonely, less isolated. We are such a 
you know, there's an epidemic of loneliness. I actually heard Dr. Ruth Westheimer speak before the pandemic. God bless her. She's still alive. She's in her 90s. And she said her next book, you know, she wrote all these seminal books about sexuality. Um, Her next book is about the epidemic of loneliness and how we are a society that feels so connected because we have these devices in our hands that make us feel like we're so connected. And yet we are so disconnected from one another, really meaningfully. Yes, yes. And back to what I said earlier, that this is the number one best way to connect to other people is to get out there and get proximate with the folks that you're helping and be in the community and learn about the issues and feel really good about helping somebody else get, get through the day. And, and maybe make their burden, lighten their burden just a little bit. So, you know, the science is super clear. I, I shouldn't need to convince anybody that this is a good idea, but it seems like sometimes like, oh, it's a nice thing, or it's just a little, it's going to be the last thing on your kid's uh, list of activities on their college applications. No, I disagree. I think that this is really one of the most important um, activities that our kids can engage in. And, you know, that they, that these are the stories that they will want to tell in a college interview or something that, you know, it's not about the, the touchdown that they scored or the, the medal that they earned, you know, it, it will be about this. And because that gets to the heart of who they are as a human being and what they will bring to a workplace, to a college campus, et cetera. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's just beautiful. Um, Natalie, tell our listeners um, how they can get your book and actually where their kids, how they, how can they use it to help their kids to become, you know, where they want to give back? Sure. I know how my audience thinks and they're <laughs> kind of like, well, I don't know how this is going to work, right. but I think your book is just a great um, resource instrument. I don't know what to call it, but to get your kid tapped into what they can do. That's going to light them up. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't think forcing is a good thing, right? So, you know, buying it, having it on the table, having it on the coffee table. I've, I've had friends tell me they just sort of leave it out and then the kid picks it up and flips through it. It's not meant to be read start to finish page one to page 150 or whatever it is. Each chapter is its own sort of topic, right? So there's a chapter on social entrepreneurship. If, if that's something that they're sort of curious about, how do you start a company that has some, some element of social good incorporated into it? How are they um, sort of in informed consumers about that, right? If you're in the Starbucks and you see that there are two bottles of water, would you, you know, think about make the choice to choose the bottle of water that gives back to the community in some substantive way. There are companies that have this as as foundational to their mission. And so really teaching these kids that they have this consumer power. So maybe you have a conversation about that when you're out in the store and they're like, oh, you know, there's a chapter about that in Natalie's book. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, as you mentioned about the self-assessment, I I just think that's a really wonderful tool if your kid is open to it. I think starting off with that, you know, again, you know, you're not forcing them to read it right now and figure out what you're going to do and you have to volunteer in the community. But it could be a situation where you say, we as a family, I think we're going to make a commitment in this new year or whatever it is, or as you begin high school or as you begin your senior year, whatever it is, we're going to make a commitment to try and do a little bit more service in the community. So, but I need your help. I need you to help me figure out what that looks like for our family 
both in terms of fitting it into our schedule and what is really going to um, resonate for all of us. What's going to light us all up? What's going to make us have fun and enjoy the time? So I'd really love to hear what you think. If you go through this assessment, what are the things that you want to share? What are your gifts and skills and strengths? What do you like to do? And then I'm, I'm curious, like, what are the issues that you care about in the community, in the world at abroad, you know, at large? And then let's think together. Let's sit down com- together at the computer. And of course, I have a lot of resources in the book, but I often refer and I say, okay, now you're going to Google that together and you're going to do a little research. What are the organizations in your community that are affecting change in that area? And then of course, the book will have um, national organizations and international organizations that you can tap into. So I think you just use it as a conversational tool, like a conversation starter. Um, And then of course, if if your child comes home and says, I have been told that I have to finish 40 hours before I gra- in order to graduate. What am I going to do? You're going to say, huh, I haven't had this book. And it might sort of spark something for you. That's what it's about. It's sort of lighting the flame, just igniting this little flame that they might have an idea or they have a club that needs to do a fundraiser. There's a whole chapter where I have like, I just list out tons and tons of fundraiser ideas. This is not rocket science. I didn't come up with the car wash. Okay. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I talk about different ideas and different options. And maybe you could think about this. Maybe you could think about that. But so they come home and they say, my model UN club needs to raise money. So we're just going to sell candy bars. Hmm. Maybe we could think of something else. So let's look at the fundraising chapter in Natalie's book. Maybe there's another idea in here of a fun, different kind of fundraiser that you can ask the school if you guys can do that. You know, I, I just think kids have limitless energy. And if you just kind of steer them in the direction and share this as a potential source of ideas and not be like, here, read this right now. We have to do service. Um, it will it will help them. Inevitably, something in here will spark something for them. And then from there, they just, they fly from there on their own. Yeah. I love how you have all the ideas at the end of the book. How many right. are there? I had oh, a list now. <laughs> I don't know. My, my publisher did the, the um, cross-referencing and the indexing. And I was like, wow, I'm glad I didn't have that job. <laughs> yeah. It's 52. There was like, yeah, 52 intentional ways to spread kindness in your life. Sure. And that's yeah. just, you know, that's, you know, I, I do one a week or whatever, but like, listen, I like to say there are no such things as random acts of kindness. You know, I know that's a big phrase. I don't think anything's random. I think everything's intentional, right? If you walk through a door, you know, you're walking through a doorway and you let the door slam in the face of the person behind you. That was an absent-minded thing, but intentionally holding the door for the person behind you, that's not a random act of kindness. That's intentional. That is walking through your days with your eyes open to the needs of others. And that's, and that's all it is. So, you know, that's, but again, this is stuff that I hope people start to do with their kids in their own homes and as they move through the world. But um, yeah, I just hope, I hope it is a, something that can be used as part of these conversations that you're already having with your kids. And I promise you, they're going to come home from school one day and say, I need to do hours. I want to do hours. My friend is doing this thing that I want to do. Um, and there's your, there's the entry. There's the, there's the opening um, for you to start that conversation. Yeah, I love it. I think it's such a great gift now that, I mean, Thanksgiving will be upon us for those that are in the U.S. Um, the holidays are coming upon us. It's yes. such a great book. The websites you have in there, all the resources to be able to say, hey, let's pick one, right. you know? 
Here's a bunch of ideas. That's right. It's not a matter of whether we're going to do it. Just let's, but you get to choose which one we do. Right. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. Yeah. We don't even give it an option. We're going to do something. So pick, pick it, pick something that you're going to enjoy doing and then we'll have a good time. And you have very small ideas too. Like you said, opening up the door. I mean, it's like a snowball effect. You know, if you start thinking like that, if we're looking for it intentionally. Well, you know, it's this whole pay it forward idea. You know, so much of this goes around social media. So this is not like rocket science to these kids, but, you know, you, you pay for the toll for the person behind you on the highway, right? It like makes their day or, or you, you know, put, put some change in or pay for the coffee of the person behind you in the coffee shop. Or, you know, I just think, Kids need to see you doing those things and then they'll pick up on it and then they'll do it. And then that will like change their whole lives. You know, I'll, I'll just finish by telling you a story of a friend whose son is in college in New Jersey and she, he called her in the middle of the night. And so that's always a good one, right? <laughs> we oh, love yeah. getting that phone call. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that is so like, scary. Oh my God, John, what happened? Where are you? Are you in jail? What happened? Um, he said that he was out at a bar. He is legal. He was out at a bar with friends and they were walking home. And they ran into a man on the, on a bridge, like kind of on a footbridge who looked really upset and sad. And they went over and they sat with him a bit and they chatted with him. And, um, he said to them something like, I was thinking about taking my own life tonight, but you guys stopping and seeing me and spending time talking with me and learning, you know, asking me what's up, whatever has really given me, you know, some hope. And I'm going to, I'm going to go back home and, and think about it and be with my family and he was crying. He called his mother. He was sobbing. And it just uh, it just kind of raises this issue that every single person wants to be seen, right? Mm-hmm. Seen and heard and understood. And many, many people right now, I think, are, are suffering and feeling very lonely. And if your kid can have that experience of really seeing another person and their experience and what their, what their lived experience is like, what how they look at the world and how, how they, you know, what they're, what's going on for them in the world. If they can see that and incorporate it into their experience and know that they made a tiny bit of a difference for that person, I, I just think um, they'll be bit by the bug of this. It will, it will occur to them how important this work is. Oh, absolutely. What a beautiful story. They came just at the right time and right. took the time. That's right. To talk and right. to this man. Right. And what a difference, those little acts of kindness. We never know, do we? That's right. You don't know, right? It was that expression, you know, be kind always because you don't know the burden that the other person is carrying. That's true for every single human being that you interact with every single day. So your smile, you holding the door, you starting a chat, you know, saying good morning, you know, you just don't know how your actions are going to impact the other person's life and it could change their day, their week, their year, their, their life. And, and again, it's very simple, small things, right? He just spoke to him. He didn't give him money. He didn't give him a ride. Like very simple, very, um, very simple acts. That's it. <laughs> there there yeah, we are. <laughs> kindness. Yeah. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for the difference that you're making in so many lives and just spreading the kindness and this message and helping us to be more intentional and think about these things and how we can model it for our kids and, 
you know, giving them the book and <laughs> looking at ourselves, taking the assessment ourselves, right? We can Absolutely. take it ourselves and learn about ourselves and say, Absolutely. hey, this is yeah. kind of interesting. I had someone ask me recently, well, what's your next book going to be? I said, oh, I don't know. And they said, why don't you write one for adults? I said, oh my goodness. I would think that adults would know how to do this by now. They're like, well, you'd be surprised. You know, maybe it's, that's a whole other thing. Um, but, you know, if, if these conversations that we're having um, inspire adults to think differently about the way that they move through the world and, and how they might want to use some of their free time um, to give back to others, especially if you're not feeling great, if you're feeling sort of hopeless and sad, um, I promise you one, one day volunteering out in the community with other folks uh, really gets your mind off your own problems. Um, it makes a, makes a big, big difference. And I think you'll get bit by the bug as well. Yeah, it absolutely does. I like that. We'll have you back on after you write that book. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not moms of tweens and teens. It's just for moms. That's it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so tell everybody where to find your book, where to find you. Sure. Yeah. So my website is simpleaxeguide.com and there's links there to both books and other things that I've written and, and my podcast. Um, and on social media, I'm at Simple Axe Guide. Wonderful. And can they find you? You're on Instagram too. That's, that's the Instagram. Yeah. That's okay. Instagram. And, oh, is that uh, what you said? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought, yeah, you were talking about uh, the website. So wonderful. Yeah. This has been great. So thank you for coming on the show and thank I'll share so all those links as well in the write-up for, for everything. So awesome. Thanks so much, Cheryl. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. And before you go, I want to tell you about our gratitude challenge. We just kicked off and this is so much fun. It is a tangible way to affirm your kids. There are eight pages of gratitude affirmations that you can print out and beautiful leaves that you can cut out and write what you appreciate about your tween and teens. And it's such a great way to focus on the good stuff. As moms and caregivers, we can get focused on those things that we don't like. We can end up spending a lot of time nagging and reminding and focusing on what they're not doing that they need to be doing or what they are doing that's irritating. So this gives just us such a great reminder of all the good stuff about our kids. Each page of affirmations has specific fill in the blanks. So we'll prompt you to really think and reflect on the good things that you love about your kids and to be able to tell them. And I hear from so many of you how our Valentine affirmations were just a game changer in the environment in your home and that your kids were growing and changing and wanting, you know, making better choices because you were building them up. So go to our website, momsoftweensandteens.com, and you can search in the search bar, Gratitude Challenge. And also there is a drop down on our website and you can sign up there as well. So thank you for joining me. I hope that you will join us in our gratitude challenge and I will see you back here next week for another wonderful guest. So have a great week and see you soon. <music>